From Chicago Style Media, we bring you Windy City Wisdom. Join us as we talk to the men and women in the Chicagoland area who have built their businesses from the ground up. We'll learn about their struggles, successes, and some of the lessons they've learned along the way. It's a mentality that uh, I think a lot of business owners have is that uh, if you go into it with a positive mindset and the mindset that you will you will not fail, mm-hmm. um, you, there's no option. You make it, um, and that's the only option. Rob Morrison consistently ranks among the top 1% of Coldwell Banker agents nationwide. He has been recognized many times as a member of the President's Elite Club. He leads the Rob Morrison Home Team, which specializes in the luxury home market in and around the Chicagoland area. My first question, Rob, is you studied law enforcement at Western Illinois University. So I'm sure you get this question a lot, but how does a law enforcement major get into the real estate market? Uh, it's a good question, actually. When I came out of school, I was looking for a uh, job you know, that uh, you know, was an immediate position versus you know, testing for different municipalities, testing for the FBI, which I also did. Uh, but I obviously wanted to start bringing in some money in the interim. And so I went to uh, loan originations uh, for a subprime branch of uh, Countrywide Mortgage, which was full spectrum, and um, saw kind of some of the predatory lending that was going on there and uh, felt like a further education in the real estate industry was necessary, uh, not because I had a passion in uh, building my business in that industry, but more so because it was going to be eventually the biggest investment I ever made. And I wanted to learn everything I could about it. Mm-hmm. And after going through the course, uh, developed a great deal of passion for it and uh, never stopped and never turned back. I know that you've mentioned, um, and really just real estate in general, you know, the first year can be can be the toughest at times. What was your first year like? And how did you navigate the ups and the downs of, you know, the first 12, 18 months or whatever the case may be? I think, you know, ultimately my mentality was, uh, and, you know, it's a mentality that uh, I think a lot of business owners have is that uh, if you go into it with a positive mindset and the mindset that you will, you will not fail, mm-hmm. um, you, there's no option. You make it um, and that's the only option. And that was always my mentality. And so I think, you know, really my first year was a true testament to that because in all fairness, I sold one house in my first year. And if you didn't have that mindset, um, that, that could have been an easy walk away point. I think that's a great lesson for um, anyone starting out in real estate or just business period. It, it reminds me of the famous Viking ritual back in the days when they would invade an area, they would burn the boats because there was no turning back. And so, I, you know, to, to hear you say that, Rob, it just reminds me, hey, burn the boats. And I think that's good advice for uh, anybody looking to get their start in business and, you know, real estate especially. So um, was there a turning point or a, an aha moment that you had? Um, what did that look like? When was it? What was it? I was, uh, I was very fortunate to, one, have a group of friends that were – exceptionally supportive of what I was trying to do at a very early age. Um, and, and those people, um, I have to thank as well for where I'm at because, 
you know, when I first started, um, you know, I got in front of a builder and it took me a long time to get in front of that builder. Um, it took me months to where I would just show up to the job site and he was very apprehensive to work with any real estate uh, brokers that he just was under the impression that he could sell his own product and he didn't need somebody like myself to market him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would show up once a week in dress clothes and I tell him to put me to work <laughs> and you know, he want me to hang around my friend. I mean, that's what I did in college. No problem. Let's do it. And I'm in my dress clothes and this went on for months. And then uh, one day I was uh, out of town visiting family and he called and said, all right, you've earned my trust. I want you to list all nine homes. They range from 1.2 million to 2 million. And um, I said, okay, I'll be back in town uh, a week from now. And he said, no, I want to see you tomorrow. And, and so I flew home. Um, That I think was the credibility earned, right? I don't think he really needed to see me that day um, that he had actually requested. I think he was testing me to see what my level of commitment was going to be to him. And uh, to this day, he's uh, a very good friend of mine, and uh, I still use him on personal projects and so on. Uh, But the point being is that was sort of the turning point, right? Because I didn't have the money at the time to market myself the way I needed to when I got the subdivision. So I got a bunch of friends that had grills and I had them bring their barbecues over their barbecue grills over to the subdivision. And we held a grand opening and I sent out mailers that I personally made. Cause again, the money wasn't there to create the advertisement. Sure. And so my friends came and helped host the actual grand opening with all the barbecues and we had burgers <laughs> and hot dogs, everything. But more importantly, we had a sign in sheet. And that sign-in sheet was the turning point. People, they signed in. Uh, there was over 500 people invited, and there was actually a really good turnout. It was 75 people that showed up. But all those people I had signed in and give all their information, their emails, their home address, everything. And that was my turning point because I created an SOI uh, list, with sphere of influence list, mm-hmm. that never stopped growing from that day. And that sphere of influence is used on a monthly touch point uh, factor. So we have a drip campaign that goes out. We have direct mailers that go out. We have 17,500 direct mailers that go out every other month. Wow. Um, that goes out to those same people, you know, and that was 19 years ago. And so people always say, well, I've had this person on my mailing list and they, they haven't reached out yet, but people don't move every three years, right? So they could be on your mailing list for 15 before they need your service. You just continue to mail them. Uh, So that was really my turning point. It was creating that SOI list after getting in front of that builder and then never stop adding to that list. Every single day, I send my team members leads to add to that list to this day. Talk about grassroots and just rolling up the sleeves and proving yourself. Um, Were you ever scared? Were you ever nervous in the beginning thinking you were in deep water i think uh, there's a fear factor every single day mm-hmm. um you know a lot of my friends when things happen in the economy they get worried about their job and um i always tell my friends that i'm unemployed every single day until i have another sale under my belt and you know i think the fear factor is what drives me yeah. if i didn't have that fear factor there wouldn't be enough motivation to continue to sell and and you know provide a, a life for myself and future family and so on. Sure. So Rob, on that same note, how do you, um, 
how do you, what do the unseen hours look like for you? You know, everyone knows it's like the famous basketball player who from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., you know, they put on their displays. But all that is just a multiplier of what they did when no one was looking. What are you doing to sharpen your axe or what do you do um, to get better every day in your profession? You know, it's it's a really, uh, it's a good question. It's an interesting question because I, a lot of people, not just in this industry, but uh, other uh, entrepreneurs who are looking to grow their business don't understand kind of before they get into it, don't understand what it may or may not take. And um, I remember the first six years of being in the business, I would work, you know, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. or 1 Mm -hmm. a.m. And I was sitting here doing all the marketing myself because, again, the first, you know, five, six years in the business, you have to do that. You can't you can't stretch too far before you've grown. Mm -hmm. And and so it's, you know, inch by inch, progress by progress. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you start to realize, okay, you know, I have the means to start hiring this out. I don't have to work till 1 a.m. Yeah. You know, now do I still work late hours? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anytime you are in the service industry, which essentially we are because, you know, we're representing sellers and buyers and we have to advocate for them and answer any questions that they have. And, you know, it's one of people's largest assets. So it, it causes a lot of emotions and it causes people to be concerned and oftentimes it's concerned when everybody else is starting to dial down in the day because now they have time to think about it. Right. So you'll get calls at nine or 10 o'clock at night, you know, mm-hmm. and to me, I don't rest unless my clients rest because personally I can't enjoy myself until everybody else is set. Sure. And, and so that's, you know, to answer your question, there's still a lot of man hours in, invested into it. Um, but not nearly as much as there was when you first got into it and you were, you were juggling all aspects of the business, like the admin role, like the marketing role, the sales role, so on and so forth. How do you stay on top of market trends and industry insights? And a lot of that stuff is predetermined, right? I mean, it's stuff that you can see just by watching the market. You know, we have what we call a hot sheet. The hot sheet tells you everything that's happening in the last 48 hours in a given town that you're searching. And so everybody always says, well, you know, when you, when is it going to be a buyer's market? When's it going to be a seller's market? And my explanation to them is, is that if anybody was to tell you an exact date of that, they'd only be guessing. Yeah. But when you're looking at the hot sheets and the hot sheets is conveying that more houses came on market that went under contract. Well, okay. We know it's a buyer's market, right? Cause there's more inventory than there is demand. Yeah. But when there's more houses going under contract in a given 48 hours than there is coming new to the market. Okay. Now it's a seller's market, right? Because there's less inventory. And and so that right there is how you know what's happening. But you follow the trends, right? I mean, you know, we had a scenario where we had that recession. And, you know, it's like the Great Depression, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it started in 1929, but nobody really felt the effects until 31. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how our recession was. You know, it started in 07. 06, but we didn't really feel the effects to 08 or 09. Right, right. And so the reality is, is that if you can acclimate yourself to the economy and to the market and you learn the various aspects of the business, it can be one, very gratifying because you can help people out of bad positions and two, very lucrative. Mm-hmm. Um, 06, 07, 08, you know, I hadn't been in the business all that long. I'd only been in four or five years at that point. But those were some of my pivoting moments and some of the tipping points in my business because 
I learned short sales because I had to. Yeah. There was no there was no option, right? But it was great because I got paid more from the bank to go through this process, which is very, you know, it's a very lengthy process, but it's more lucrative. But it's also very gratifying because you're getting somebody out of a position that otherwise would have compromised their credit for seven years and, you know, caused a, a whole lot of heartache. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about navigating uh, choppy waters early on. And just that speaks to your resilience too, just about getting through that, finding ways to be successful uh, in turbulent times early in your career and, you know, fast forward on the other end of it or I should say the middle of it um, to see where you're at now is, is just, it's inspiring and uh, it's just really cool to see. So well, thanks man. I appreciate that. Yeah. So look, competition, right? We all have competition. It's everywhere. Every industry has it. Um, what are some things that you and the team do to stay ahead of, of the competition? No, I mean, you know, the competition is uh, also a very large driving force. Um, one is the fear factor, like we talked about, right? Um, the other one is, uh, competition, right? And, you know, your competition, um, you have to learn obviously what your competitors do and and do something completely different that makes you stand out far greater than they do. And so whether that means a more quality product, whether that means better service than they provide, uh, whether it means you having a system that is more, uh, flawless and and seamless uh, all of those things count right so from a marketing perspective i know some people uh do mass mailers but there's very few people that do to the degree that we do uh one the the quantity uh, being seventeen thousand five hundred mailers that goes out every other month but two the quality right when that when that's card is sent out it's eight and a half by 11 it's uv it's a 100 pound cards color our front and back it's hopefully got a little bit of shelf life versus our competitors. If they're doing it nine times out of 10, it's something that looks like it was very flimsy paper and just not to the level of quality. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to stand out in that sense, especially because of the affluent uh, clientele that we have. They have an expectation of, Hey, you know, your marketing should be a reflection of the people that you represent. Yeah. So, you know, that's one way that we stand out. We're also in five different publications. Um, Each is a full page ad. We don't believe in the quarter page ad because you get lost as far as your marketing is concerned amongst other people who are trying to market on the same page. Um, We have a billboard up now, which we're extremely proud of. And it took us two years to get there because the uh, Arboretum of South Barrington uh, was a little resistant to us first doing that, but that's because they were a little resistant to anybody advertising on their billboard mm-hmm. outside of who was actually retailers in the, in the shopping center. And, um, it, that has turned out to be a very beneficial because we also now sponsor all of their concerts that they have all summer long. And we get the exposure through the artists that come there and actually broadcast our business through their concerts. Um, so a lot of what we do is so much different than what our competitors do. And it's really just about what are you willing to invest into your clients and into your team? So when we go to, uh, meet with whether it be a buyer or seller, we don't discuss what our brokerage offers Mm -hmm. because they can meet with anybody in the brokerage and find that out. Mm -hmm. We discuss what we do different. I think that's fantastic. And also, you know, it goes back to, 
how you do anything is how you do everything. So the fact that, you know, the little things with the mailer and, you know, getting the glossy eight and a half or the full page ad, you know, makes you just stand out and puts you a little bit ahead from, from the other person who, like you said, might be doing flimsy mailings or, um, just not up to the par up to par with the audience that, that you're looking to attract. So, um, I think that all makes sense. And then, so lastly, what about the team? So, um, did you just wake up one day and think, Oh crap, I need, I need some, I need some help. Or did you slowly build the team? Cause there's five of you now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's also a really good question. So, you know, it was a little bit of an eye opening experience because, um, we were out at the president's club, uh, one day, which is always held at different destinations. And, um, I think I learned more on the bus ride back to the airport than I did actually the entire conference. <laughs> um, and it was actually pretty neat. I, I, uh, was fortunate enough to have um, a mentor that was never meant to be a mentor. We just became very good friends when I got into business and he happened to have been on the bus with me and he said, Rob, what did you do in production last year? And I told him Mm -hmm. and he said, you know, that's phenomenal. He said, let me ask you something. Where do you plan to go next in the business? Mm -hmm. And so I planned to at least double, if not triple my, my volume. And he said, and how do you plan on doing it? And I gave him all the examples that I'm now sharing with you as far as marketing and so on. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, that's a really good plan. He said, but, you know, how much spare time did you have this past year with the production that you did? I said, zero. And he goes, so how do you think you're going to grow without help? <laughs> yeah. And I said, you know what? You're right. And mm-hmm. that that day when I flew home, the next day I put out an ad. Wow. And that's when I hired my first uh, team member. And so I've got two uh, team members that are full-time staff members. And then I have uh, two more that are full-time sales reps and then myself. That's great advice. Um, it's funny, you know, having gone to business conferences, you learn so much and then you come back and the, it's like the paradox of choice where you learn so much that you really don't apply anything. And so to come back from something like that and to, to, to take that one takeaway or one of the, you know, what's an actionable item, one or two things I can put in. And for you, it was on the bus. And, um, the very next day you were, you were hustling on it. So that's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, the same individual one day he was asked to come into our office and Mm -hmm. they basically asked him, you know, what is that you do to drive business? And and the same individual, he laid it out. He gave them everything that he does. Now, you got to remember, everybody in the room, which was over 60 people in the room, are all in direct competition with him. So when he was all done, I said, I pulled him off the side. I said, what are you doing? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, you just gave away all your niche. And he goes, Rob, he goes, listen, your clients don't want to work with me and my clients don't want to work with you. He said, at the end of the day, all these people in the room are hyped up for the first five minutes that I leave and 99% of them isn't going to do a darn thing with it. When I leave, he said, I did it to pacify the company. They asked me to speak for them. And I said, you know what? You're, you're right. You had nothing to lose. <laughs> oh, it's so true too. It's almost like yep. the copycats out there who often replicated, never duplicated. So yeah, <laughs> that's great advice. Um, all right, Rob, before we end the podcast, let's have a little fun. I'm going to put you on the hot seat for some rapid-fire questions. All right. You ready? All right. Yes. All-time favorite movie? Tommy Boy. All right. What music are you listening to when you work out? Uh, LAC or Linkin Park? All right. 
Speaking of working out, heavyweight, low reps, or lightweight, high reps? Well, uh, I'm getting old, man. So (laughs) (laughs) as much as I think it's heavy and doing higher reps, um, I look back at where I was before, and it's definitely more reps. (laughs) Facebook or Instagram? Um, You know, I actually use them simultaneously. So I would say that it's an even balance at this point. Fair enough. Favorite car? Uh, right now, my favorite car, which is about the least modest you can have, um, in this range is, uh, the AM, the AMG GTC, which okay. is a Mercedes convertible. Awesome. Nice. What is your favorite restaurant in the area? The suburbs, city, uh, whatever. Hands down bimbos. Oh, okay. All right. Favorite summertime Italian restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And you can take the <laughs> boat to it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I might know this answer, but what is your favorite summertime activity? The boating, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Rob, what time do you typically wake up? 4.30. All right. You are off the hot seat, my friend. All right. Let's tell people where they can find you and find the business. Yeah, so my uh, website is rmorrison, M-O-R-R-I-S-O-N, team.com. Our office is downtown Barrington. Uh, but certainly reachable by cell phone or email at any given time. We have a platform on our website if anybody ever needed to uh, just do some due diligence that shows testimonials from our past clients as well as uh, an online application if somebody was ready to sell or buy. Awesome. Cool. And then uh, Facebook, you're on as well, right? Rob Morrison team, or is it just your... Is it just wrong? Yeah, we have uh, we have a couple different pages. So one's my personal, and uh, the other one is a uh, professional one. Okay. But both are used uh, in a business sense. Yeah, for sure. So Rob Rob Morrison team is uh, the the uh, team's account, and then obviously my personal, uh, which can be searched as well. Awesome. Well, thanks, Rob, so much for coming on the show. I'm sure our audience loves it. And again, if you need to get in touch with Rob, you know where to go. Thanks for having me, buddy. If you know somebody who wants to be on the show, please shoot me an email, patrick at chicagostylemedia.com. If you liked what you heard today and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast, Windy City Wisdom. Also, please check us out on social media, Chicago Style Media. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. We'll see you next time.